Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Promenade Merchants Podcast. We are an independent Star Trek podcast that likes to talk about Star Trek about every two weeks or so. I'm David Majors, and I'm joined by my fantastic co-host, Miss Heather Kirby. What is up, Heather? Well, I, you know, I got like frazzled, excited, getting ready for con brain today. So I, I, I'm ready for, as we wrestling fans call, uh, the go home show for the STLV that we're going to be doing today. This is the go home show for STLV 2023. Both Heather and I are getting ready to head out to Las Vegas, Nevada for the 57th year mission put on by Creation Entertainment, the annual celebration of all things in the Star Trek universe. So if you see us there, say hi, say hey, we'll we'll be there, we'll be having a good time, and uh, this is going to be both of our first STLV, Heather, so that's exciting. Oh, yes. This is officially the farthest west I have ever been in the United States, so I'm a little excited. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, Okay, let's jump in. Uh, We're going to talk about STLV a lot, and we'll definitely talk about it on the next episode after it has passed. But let's jump into today's show. Now, if you're new to the show, hello. Hi, I'm David. That's Heather. We talk about Star Trek. And we do it in a three-act format, where we start with old business, which is the legacy Star Trek, as it's like to be called, new business, which is what's happening with Star Trek right now, and obviously we've got a lot of Star Trek Strange New Worlds to talk about, Uh, and we do what's called upcoming business, where we look ahead and talk about news and notes from the Star Trek universe that uh, gives us a chance to look a little bit beyond in what's to come. Now, Heather, you did a fantastic job of putting this episode together uh, while getting ready for STLV, and I think you came up with a great thing to start us off with for old business. So by all means, you have the con. So I wanted a lighthearted topic for old business, which everyone will understand once we get into talking about some of the current Strange New Worlds episodes, (laughs) but... uh, I, I thought, especially with the con coming up, that cosplay is the perfect topic. And so, I I mean, I feel as, like, not a diehard cosplayer, but very much an average cosplayer, that everyone has certain characters they gravitate towards. And it's just something, like, you really feel comfortable in the outfit or the, the the skin of that character. And that's why you gravitate towards them more than some other ones. So especially when looking at older legacy Star Trek, like what are the, your cosplay characters, the ones that you gravitate towards? Okay. So I did think about this one and I've always said that the the choice for me uh, is usually a first officer. Uh, when I will put on a Star Trek uniform, I never give myself the rank of captain. I know a lot of people do that. I don't like giving myself the rank of captain because I just don't see myself that way. I envision myself as like a lieutenant commander or a commander somewhere in that headspace uh, and usually wearing a command gold or command red, depending on what era, because I have a couple of different uniforms that I use. Uh, When it comes to other cosplays I've done, uh, I've done a few wrestling cosplays. Uh, I did Broken Matt Hardy once. (laughs) <laughs> I did Orange Cassidy once. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and there was a tentative plan with some friends to do all three members of the New Day. And okay. that 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 went that fell through, but that definitely would have been right in my wheelhouse doing one of the members of the New Day. So those are some choices for me, but I don't know when it will come along to where I'll ever feel like a captain, but for right now, I like being a commander. 
Yeah, I I mean, I understand that. I always, uh, I think it, it it's a lot harder as a woman looking at some of the characters because you really, like, I, I, I feel like, especially a lot of, and I, I think other women would agree with me, you want to be able to emulate these women that you see on screen. But then you have, like, just that one that you feel comfortable in. And I know... Like I know some people online where where Gates is their go to and 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 they do awesome jobs cosplaying as as Crusher or or Troy. Um, ironically, for me, my one go to in the Star Trek universe is uh, Christine Chapel, which before Strange New Worlds was like an off the cuff choice you know like now with strange new worlds everyone knows Jess Bush's Christine Chapel and she's fantastic but I love Majel Barrett I always loved Christine Chapel from TOS um I feel like science blue is my color and I also feel like especially in like a a TOS dress like I can embrace my femininity without like completely feeling uncomfortable in it because like say i love seven of nine so much and i i have also cosplayed seven from picard but i would never feel comfortable cosplaying as seven during the voyager era just because of the things that she wore i would never feel comfortable wearing something like that but when it comes to chapel like i can still feel like proudly feminine in that uniform without feeling uncomfortable. And I think that's a huge part, especially with women cosplayers to be able to embrace that, that side of themselves, but yet still feel comfortable with what they're dressing up as. Okay. All right. That, that does make a lot of sense. Uh, I have said in the past that I absolutely love the medical white uniform. Uh, I loved it on discovery with Dr. Culber. I love it on Strange New Worlds with Nurse Chapel. I would love your opinion on the the white medical uniform. I would never wear the white medical uniform. No? Mainly because I'd be afraid of getting it dirty. That's fair. <laughs> it, it it's just it's not for me. I will I will stick to my my science blue. I mean, I figure they get blood on that one all the time, so that they must be used to it. Yeah. If it's medical. I, yeah, but it's, I, I, I don't know. It, it's just all white uniforms scare the crap out of me. I'll pass. <laughs> okay. All right. I I don't like the operations gold for, for whatever reason. There's something about that particular gold that just never did it for me. So I, I totally understand. Uh, okay. So please, if you're out there listening, let us know what characters you like to cosplay as. Send us a tweet at Prom Trek Pod on Twitter for now. I haven't gotten another Blue Sky invite to send to the podcast account. I'm working on it. Let's jump into new business, Heather. And normally, when we do this, we usually have two episodes to talk about. I know. But this time around, Heather, we have three. Three new episodes of Strange New World Season 2 to go over. And we're going to start with Episode 6, Lost in Translation, where the Enterprise joins the USS Farragut to repair a deuterium refinery. Deuterium is known for giving fuel to starships. They kept calling it a gas station. Uh, Ensign Uhura begins experiencing hallucinations and strange noises, and she sees zombie hammer and then we find another officer Saul Ramon who is looking to sabotage the Enterprise because he's seeing the same visions as Ahura and we have ourselves a mystery with help from none other than James Tiberius Kirk on loan from the Farragut Heather I'm going to let you go first on this episode because I'd like to know what you think of it. Okay. Um, I enjoyed this episode. I I think it was nice to finally see uh, Kirk in 
our universe and not an alternate version, alternate universe version of Paul Wesley's Kirk. And I think you saw, I think you saw a lot of similarities in, in, in the Kirk we see in this episode to uh, William Shatner's Kirk of TOS. And I, I would hope that fans of Kirk and fans of TOS really appreciated that. Um, I really enjoyed exploring Uhura's emotions in this episode, especially as it dealt to how she grieves with the loss of Hemmer and, and, and the loss of her family members in general. And I think that's an important part of this episode uh, that her grief and her feelings are what ultimately leads her to understanding and being able to communicate with this life form that is living in the deuterium, which by the way, is also a classic sci-fi story. Okay. About a life form that lives in something we would not necessarily think of. Uh, So I, I, I really enjoyed the main story of this episode. And then outside of that main story, it's really peppered with, a lot of moments, especially like a lot of TOS moments for TOS fans uh, with all these characters and uh, with Kirk being on the ship mainly. Um, But also I loved a little bit of the B plot between Una and Pelia (laughs) because they're both fantastic and to see the working dynamics between the two of them and how they didn't quite get along and then they understood why towards the end. <laughs> um it's great. Yeah. There there I, I, I thought there was a lot of things to like about this episode. I watched this episode earlier today, uh, because the first time I watched it, I I just kind of ended up forgetting this episode. Uh, because we we did that list on Twitter of mm-hmm. our favorite episodes of Star Trek Strange New World Season 2 so far. We both did that. And Lost in Translation ended up at the bottom of my list. And that is not to say I don't like the episode. I think that the the main plot, the mystery was pretty good. It was very sci-fi, very something you would definitely see. It, it definitely came off of something you could see on The Next Generation or TOS for sure. So in that regard, I thought it was pretty good. I really enjoyed Sam Kirk in this episode. I think that he was just a really entertaining character all throughout his episode with the dynamic with his brother and just everything he was going through. And I think that him bringing something to the table later in the episode was a real positive for him. I've really grown to like Paul Wesley as Jim Kirk. I'm really liking his portrayal. I think he's doing just enough to remind people of Jim Kirk in the original series, but he's also putting enough of his own spin on it to where it really feels like he's doing his own thing, and I'm really growing to like it. I'm really growing to like Paul Wesley as Jim Kirk. That's kind of where I am kind of done with this episode. The The dynamic between Una and Pelia really didn't do anything for me. And it was kind of weird because I love Una, and I think Pelia is great. But there was just something about those two for me personally where it just, it didn't quite click for me. And I don't know why. That that didn't click for me. Uh, it was great to see, I, I absolutely loved the video scene between Hammer and Uhura where he's showing her what to do at the engineering console and he's saying, I promise I won't let you blow up the ship. And he's giving her some lessons while also kind of, you know, trying to get her to lighten up and loosen up a little bit. I thought that was really good. This episode had some things that I really liked, 
but it did not add up to a whole episode that I really, really enjoyed. It felt like a lot of little pieces, but not a complete picture. So when I looked at my list again, Lost in Translation is is pretty much where it belongs for me. Well, okay. <laughs> I mean, I... Uh, it, if that's your opinion, then uh, I'm not going to argue with you about it. But I, I, I don't think it deserves to be at the very bottom. <laughs> I was surprised. Like I went through my list like multiple times, and I just kept saying, "Is Lost in Translation really at the bottom?" Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. And and I can't even say it's bad. I'm definitely not saying it's bad. It's just not my favorite. It's just I, not my favorite. I mean, that's fair, but in a season where Among the Lotus Eaters exists, <laughs> I don't think it deserves to be at the bottom. But okay. I think that was my number seven. I think that was the one that was right above it. I think I think it was those two were pretty close. Those two I, were pretty close. I mean, the only thing I want I, I want to say about your comments here is that um the dynamic between Pelia and and Una felt very real to me because it, it it's relatable being a strong woman when you come up against another strong female. It it that that clash happens, so it, it it's it's very relatable for two strong women to initially butt heads until they figure each other out a little bit more. And so that's where I, I I connected with that on a relatable level because at at least from women to women dynamics, that, that is very real, especially for, for, for very strong independent women uh, to butt heads like that. Yeah. It's very real. (laughs) That makes sense. That absolutely makes sense. And I I appreciate the insight on it. So thank you for that. Uh, I would not say don't watch this episode. I think the entire season has been very, very good. And I think we can move on to episode seven, because I think we've all talked about this episode at this point by now. But let's just reconfirm. Episode seven... Those old scientists, directed by Two Takes Frakes himself, Mr. Jonathan Frakes. This is the famous crossover episode with Star Trek Lower Decks, the episode Star Trek fans everywhere have been waiting for. Ensign Brad Boimler of the USS Cerritos is assigned to investigate an an ancient portal. The portal sends him back 120 years in time where he lands on a planet that is being investigated by the Enterprise and the same portal. Boimler boards the Enterprise, and he gets to spend time with the crew of the USS Enterprise. And eventually, Beckett Mariner joins him. And buddy, do hijinks ensue from there. Heather... I've said for a long time that my favorite episode of modern Star Trek is New Eden from season two of Star Trek Discovery. And depending on my mood, it's going to be something from Discovery season four. I think I have a new favorite episode of modern Star Trek, Heather. I think those old scientists is the new champion because I absolutely loved every second of this. I have watched this episode four times and I might watch it again before we go to Las Vegas. I mean, as I've said multiple times on this episode, Lower Decks is not necessarily my favorite show. Uh, So I wouldn't go so far as to say this episode is my favorite episode of modern Star Trek, but it is a crossover episode that's literally done to perfection and it it 
honors every single one of these characters in every single way possible. And, you know, I, I think they, from the start of Lower and Lower Decks, they fully intended to cross over the show with one of their live action shows at some point because they would have not cast the people that they did in Lower Decks who actually resemble their characters and can portray them in live action unless they intended to do this. So they, it, it, it really is perfection, especially for a crossover show. It, it, it would be so easy for this episode to land wrong and it landed every single bit of it completely right. Um, from even like Boimler's mannerisms and his walk, down, <laughs> his fast shaking ass walk. walk down the, the corridor, to um, him waking up in sickbay and poking Pike, going end end hologram, <laughs> you know, computer. We got a Boimler scream. Yeah, uh, we got a Boimler scream to him being completely and utterly freaked out. And and honestly, the score, uh, Nami score, when every time he's freaked out by Spock smiling is just perfection because it creeps me out oh, <laughs> watching that was, it. <laughs> it was so wrong. That that Spock <laughs> smile was just so unsettling. But but it's also like the 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 way the music hits in that point makes it even more unsettling. Like everything about this this episode is perfection. But um, my favorite part of it is towards the end of the episode um, when they're beaming back to the planet in order to send them back through the portal. And Mariner and and Boimler explained to number one why he was so freaked out upon meeting her and the fact that she is the literal poster girl for Starfleet in their century um, and, and for um, recruitment and the, the fact that they put Ad Astra Perispera on the poster, I mean, that calls back to what I have in previous episodes said is my current favorite episode of modern Star Trek. And the emotion in Una's voice when she goes, they put that on the poster? I mean, it, 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 it got me. I was in tears at that point. Um like I said, every, every single little bit of this episode really is perfection. And it does honor to all of these characters and the history that they have in the modern era universe of shows that Lower Decks comes from. The history that each one of them carries with them. And, and 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 that's really powerful in its own way, even though this is fun and it, it's very much lower decks. It's very much hilarious at many points, but it, it's very powerful, too. This episode was perfect, in my opinion. It was just perfect. 10 out of 10, no notes. It had the beats of lower decks where it was comedic and a little chaotic like the scene where Spock and Boimler were experimenting (laughs) and Spock saying, do you feel lucky that that was fantastic? And then Boimler saying, no, not at all. And everything going haywire and going wrong. Is that supposed to happen? Now we take cover. (laughs) Just fantastic. Just brilliant. Uh, To the point that fixing the portal and dealing with the Orions was very TOS. Like, that was something that was straight out of a Star Trek plot. This was a Star Trek episode on top of a Star Trek episode on top of a Star Trek episode. Well, and, 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 and even, like, I love that they had the Orions directly involved because it calls back to the Lower Decks character that wasn't even there. Like, Tendi was still very much involved in this episode, even though she wasn't on the Enterprise with them. So, 
And just that callback to Tendi's ancestor. That was really, really cool at the end, how now they know the truth. Yeah. I have been saying since this episode came out how much I want an Ad Astra Perispera poster of Una. And at the very end of this scene where Una winked at Boimler and he giggled like an idiot, (laughs) completely relatable, completely relatable. And just so much enjoyable moments about this episode. Uh, The final scene where we see the crew of the Enterprise animated, that was completely unexpected, but so welcomed. Just to see that they fully embraced the crossover effect of this episode. And they even had an explanation for it with the drinks from the Orions. Yeah. I I said this before. I love Star Trek. And I especially love when Star Trek loves Star Trek. And for me, this was Strange New Worlds writing a love letter to Star Trek. And I absolutely loved this episode. I cannot say enough about it. Uh, yeah, no notes. It, it, it really is perfect. No notes. Let's move on to episode eight. This one's been talked about quite a bit. Under the Cloak of War. The Enterprise is hosting Ambassador Dakra, a Klingon general who defected to the Federation and is said to have killed his own officers when he learned that they had ordered attacks on civilians while fighting on the moon of Jagal. Federations, uh, veterans of the Federation Klingon War, including Ortegas, Dr. Mbenga, and Nurse Chapel, are uncomfortable with his presence. This episode was almost certainly the darkest episode of Strange New Worlds to date. I believe that this has been a very polarizing episode for a lot of different reasons. But I think that Star Trek is great when it has these spirited conversations and discussions like this. And I am okay being a DS9 fan when Star Trek occasionally gets a little dark and talks about war and the the things that it affects and how it changes people. And I thought that this episode was extremely well done. I thought Babs Alusimakun was fantastic throughout. I thought Jess Bush was also fantastic. And I think that this episode was a really, really strong episode. How you feel about the ending, I think is up to just how you view things. But I thought this was a really strong episode, Heather. Um, yeah. So I think it, here's the thing that Strange New World struggles with, is that it, it they, they want to tackle really kind of polarizing topics. Um, But there's a lot of times I feel like they could have done it in a better way. And I think this episode falls into one of those times. Um, Don't get me wrong. I, I, I do think it is very well written and I think it's very well performed but I think there were certain choices they made with characters that um, I know I've seen a lot of discourse that people have major issues with that. And I understand why. Um, I love Bab's performances as Dr. Mbenga. Uh, but I think the the choice of having the doctor and ultimately the the the, the caregiver and the, the the person who is supposed to take care of everyone really the the, the soul and, and and heart of the ship in a lot of ways the choice to have him 
have such a kind of disturbing um, past from the war, I, I, I think they could have made a better choice on that front. And um, it, it, it does play into stereotypes, um, particularly him being a black man to have that violent of a background. And I think as, as much as I'm not really the best person to speak on that, I agree with a lot of people who have brought that up that maybe that wasn't the best choice. Uh, do I think they told the best story they could with the way it was framed? Yes, I do. And I don't have any problem with that ending. There's a reason why you don't actually see what happened and it, it is meant to be slightly ambiguous, but at the same time you see a lot in that ending of him telling Dakra no and him really standing and, and trying to not engage with him and um, him uh, the Klingon general ultimately making the choice to engage with him because he knows Mbango holds secrets that he has taken credit for and really staked his reputation on. And so I believe the ending was the, the right ending, but the, there's just a lot of little bits and, and pieces of that story which do come across kind of problematic. And I'd like to know your views and thoughts on them. In the case of Dr. Mbanga, um, I thought it was very, very complex. Uh, the director of this episode uh, is Jeffrey Bird. Uh, Jeffrey Bird worked on a couple of different things. He He's a protege of Spike Lee. He worked on Mo Better Blues. He worked on Malcolm X. He worked on Jungle Fever. He, he, he is a black director from Brooklyn, New York. And I think that in the case of portraying Dr. Mbenga in this way, I did not take it as stereotypical. I did not take it as something to be done with malicious intent. I took it as this is a very real thing that happens to a lot of us. This is a very real thing that happens and it doesn't always get treated and it doesn't always go away so quickly and easily. And I saw this as very real and very true to life of the struggles that I have seen personally with PTSD uh, it is things that I've seen from friends and from family members that, that it is a very real thing. And I did not feel uncomfortable about that in that regard because the entire episode was played very true to life uh, with how the young ensign that was with the special forces thanked Dr. Mbenga for patching him up, but he immediately went right back into the fight because he's a soldier. Uh, the Andorian that was the lieutenant for the special forces, he knew Mbenga could fight and he knew he needed fighters, but Mbenga was, was resistant to it. All of these things are very true to life. It was very, very real in that regard. So I didn't, I didn't feel it crossed any kind of lines uh, in that way. It, it felt real. It felt genuine. Okay. Okay. L let me stop you here for a second though. I, I, I get all of that feeling genuine, but I think the main part here is when like they were leaving the moon and he chose to go back and murder every single Klingon leader he could get his hands on. You know what I mean? Like, like he was not given orders to do that. He chose to do that. And so that where is where it comes off like of him having 
violence in his background. I, I, like, I, I don't want to imply that any of the other things you brought up there are unnatural, but I think because of that choice is where it, it, it ultimately leads to why did you have that particular character do that? Like we have three characters in this episode who are all suffering from PTSD, who all have uh, traumatic issues stemming from their experiences in the Klingon war. But he's the one that has that big of a violent history that is specifically brought up by this Klingon character. And I think that's where like some of the folks that have a major issue with it are like, why did you choose the black man to have that history and not like one of the other two? I guess what I would say to that is if Dr. Mbenga were a white character, I think it would have been the same. I think it would have been whomever it would have been probably doing the same thing simply because it's not necessarily having violent tendencies, but more of what war does to a person. And I don't think that's necessarily stereotypical. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just trying to see kind of the other side of it but but i definitely get where you're what you're saying and what other people would be saying about it i definitely understand like i said i'm not even quite sure where my personal view falls on it i'm just trying to advocate for some of the other views that i i've heard on it you know what i mean like i said i'm not i'm not trying sure. to say like i i personally fall into that i'm not quite sure what to think about this episode to be honest but i don't have relatable experiences on really any side of that to say whether i i, I feel it was good or bad but i'm I, I i'm trying to do my best to advocate for all of the multiple views i've heard about it so and i'm totally respectful of opposing viewpoints on this because I think that this episode was made to generate a conversation about it. I think that's exactly what this was for. And I think they did a really good job of creating this episode. And I think it was really well done and how you feel about it is totally up to you. And I would love to hear more opinions on it uh, on all sides. I absolutely would. And I, I, I mean, I think that's important, especially when we're looking at episodes like this, that when we, as podcasters, but just as fans, when we're talking about episodes, like you have personal views and you have personal takes on it, but you have to be willing to hear and listen to everyone's views because everyone has different experiences. And we've talked about this so many times when we're talking about episodes, everyone has different experiences. Everyone has different things they relate to. And we need to be open to hearing everyone's thoughts because each person's thoughts are valid and important in, in these situations. So agreed 100%. Uh, just to wrap up, um, Heather, uh, on previous episodes, I said that, like in the first half of this season, I thought Ethan Peck has been doing a phenomenal job as Spock in this season. But I think my MVP for season two might have changed because there is someone that I think has really taken their role in season two and has really done an exceptional job. I think Jess Bush as Nurse Chapel might be my MVP for season two. I, I mean, my personal views aside, uh, yeah, Jess is definitely up there because I, I think Chapel has played an important role in every episode. 
and every story and she she's really knocking it out of the park and and she's doing a really really good job i i totally agree she has the relationship with dr mbenga she's got her relationship with spock uh on those old scientists she seems to be instigating boimler a little bit which was really fun (laughs) and i just think that she's been knocking it out of the park the whole season I, I just, I think Jess Bush as Nurse Chapel has been great. And I just wanted to throw that out there. I can't wait to hear her sing next week. Oh, yeah. That episode is coming. Subspace Rhapsody. Are, are you ready for this, Heather? I am not emotionally prepared for this. I'm going to tell you that right now. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to freak out. Oh, and by the way, I just realized just this second... This episode is going to premiere while we are in Las Vegas. Uh, it, it will premiere on the day we are both traveling to Las Vegas, yes. <laughs> so so we'll have a lot to talk about when we get there. Yes. Because I'm, I'm going to try and watch it before I leave uh, and before I get on the plane. So I definitely am prepared. I am very intrigued by this subspace rhapsody the musical episode because i know that early on in strange new worlds i know one of the writers and one of the directors and i think even alex kurtzman mentioned the idea of doing something like this and alex kurtzman was like well anything's possible i guess and here we are we are about to get subspace rhapsody i am intrigued I will tell you the one thing I am upset about. I think it's a crime against Star Trek that we are getting this episode without Anthony Rapp and Wilson Cruz. (laughs) Ah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Uh, But other than that, yes, I'm very excited for it. (laughs) I am too. I'm very, very interested in... I'm most interested in Anson Mount more than anybody else. I am rooting for Anson Mount the same way I rooted for Gerard Butler and Russell Crowe in Les Miserables. I'm rooting for for him. I really hope he just does a great, great job. So I'm I'm excited for this. I'm very intrigued. Even though I'm not like a big musical theater person, I'm really interested. I'm really excited. All right. So now we can go into upcoming business. I don't know, Heather, is there anything going on? <laughs> well, I, I mean, the main thing for upcoming business is Star Trek Las Vegas, which is this coming week. Uh, the most interesting thing about the convention is that, uh, like we said on our last episode, the sag after strike is going on right now, as well as the... WGA strike. Um, Michelle Hurd, who is a vice chair on the negotiating committee for SAG-AFTRA, has really worked hard in order to get boundaries and rules set up so actors can con- uh, attend conventions like Star Trek Las Vegas. Uh, but it will be an interesting con because especially like they're Q&A panels in which they usually talk about their time on Star Trek or the work they have coming up. Uh, No one that is a member of the union can talk about any struck work, which means any current Star Trek, any past Star Trek, any future Star Trek, anything that they have worked on cannot be talked about and discussed. And I hope all the attendees come up with interesting and unique questions to ask the actors during their panel and just really respect the fact that they are coming out of their way to still attend the convention and still be there for the fans. Uh, And we need to respect their union protocols and just support them in that way. So it's going to be interesting. Agreed. Uh, I'm still excited all the same. I have bought just about all of the photo ops and autographs that I wanted. 
So I'm very excited about that. I'm excited to see all of our friends uh, across the internet from the Star Trek fandom in Las Vegas. And this is my first time going to Las Vegas. And it just so happens that my payday, my direct deposit, falls on when I'm in Vegas. <laughs> Rub it in, why don't you? <laughs> so God help me. I'm going to be irresponsible. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm only probably going to buy food. See, I, I I totally was the cheap ass who packed a bunch of food. <laughs> so I only have to buy one meal a day. <laughs> and I respect that. I've done that with all of the anime cons I've gone to. I've done that a bunch of times. So I respect it. I get it. Just so happens this con falls on when I get paid. But... My birthday is the week after Las Vegas, so I will be celebrating my birthday all weekend. So yeah. anyone who listens to this podcast who wants to buy me a drink, I will gladly let you. I'm just saying right now. <laughs> Heather, consider it done. Okay. Don't let me forget. All right. Okay. What else we got? We've got, uh, let's see. We've got uh, San Diego Comic-Con? Yes. Star Trek Lower Decks Season 4. We got a teaser trailer, and this was really fun. This was, I I remember watching it, and I thought it was, as expected, funny as hell. Crap. Heather? Yeah, okay. You still there? Yep. Okay. I was like, oh, God, don't tell me it dropped off again. Guess I caught you off guard. Sorry about that. Uh, Yeah, the season four trailer, I loved it. I'm excited. And we have a premiere date, September the 7th. That means we're getting, uh, what is that, two, three-week break between the end of Strange New Worlds and and the beginning of Lower Decks. So. So you won't hear me like getting all agitated about how there's no new Star Trek for a long time. It's only three weeks. Yeah. I have really grown to love Lower Decks. I'm not sure where it fits on like my favorite Star Trek series or or anything like that. But I think when it's all said and done, I'm going to look at Lower Decks as a joy and a gift to the Star Trek franchise. And it just keeps rolling along. And this trailer looked awesome. And there were all these little Easter eggs like you always expect with Lower Decks. And I'm I'm just happy that it's back and it's going. I, I'm, I'm just very happy about that. More than uh, anything, Talyn. I love Talyn. <laughs> I... I... I'm like I said, I'm not quite sure where I fit on how I feel about lower decks. I don't think it's something that can really be classified in the rankings of Star Trek series. I think lower decks really falls into a category of its own. Um, it, it's just that unique and it, it's not something that is necessarily for ev- everybody, but I enjoy it because of how much they love Star Trek. It is very much a Star Trek show that just loves Star Trek. And if you love Star Trek, you will find things to enjoy and love about Lower Decks. So I'm looking forward to season four. We also got a extended trailer for season five of Star Trek Discovery. I did watch this trailer. And it was like an extended version or like the full scene of what we saw previously. And it was action-packed and, as always, really high production level. And it just looked really cool. And one thing I've said about Discovery since day one is that it has cutting-edge visuals. And... Despite this being season five of Discovery and budget issues and this being the final season and everything, it still feels like no expense was spared with Star Trek Discovery season five. And what I saw, I'm looking forward to. Uh, 
I I love Star Trek Discovery. There, there's nothing much to add on that. I I I love Discovery. So I am ready for season five whenever they want to present it. Me too. Um, I'll send you the link. It's a whole five minutes uh, once we're done. And uh, yeah, it's it's pretty awesome in my opinion. It's pretty good. Okay, I think I think that covers it, Heather. I think we've talked about STLV enough. Uh, I'm probably gonna maybe look at what I've got packed. I've decided that I am bringing some uniforms, despite it being in Las Vegas and it being 115 degrees. I am going to bring a couple of uniforms. Whether I'll wear them or not, we'll see. Uh, but I'm excited. I'm excited for Star Trek. I'm excited for Las Vegas. I'm excited to see you, Heather Kirby. I am excited to see you. I am excited to see you too. And I'm just, I'm excited for a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be awesome. I'm certain of it. Thank you all for listening to this episode of the Promenade Merchants podcast. We are available wherever you get your podcast. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Prom Trek Pod. You can follow me on Blue Sky at Delta Juliet Mike. That's Delta Juliet Mike. You say the whole thing. If you want to follow me on Twitter, we're not calling it its other name. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Call Me DJM. If you would like to follow Heather, and you probably should, you can do that at NerdyGal33. Never apologize for being nerdy. Thank you all for listening. We will see you in Las Vegas.